0: Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bengal and Liz Hartman.
1: Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bangle. And my good friend, Liz Hartman, who unfortunately is not with us today. Hello, Newburn, and welcome to City Talk. Um, poor Liz has had quite a month and she's experienced another death in her family. So that's why she is not here today. So it's been a pretty rough month for her. Um, and I'm so sorry, Liz, and, um, certainly have been. Keeping you in my thoughts and prayers and praying for you and your family. And I miss her. I haven't seen her in a few weeks. You know, I was off last week. I was in New York celebrating the wedding of my nephew, which it was a fabulous Italian New York wedding. Yay. And, uh, you know, I always have to have a fix every now and then. And so it was really, really good to have that fix. Um, But I'm back in the saddle, have had a really, really busy week we're going to talk about. But you don't want to miss the show today because I'm just beyond excited that uh, we're going to be speaking to North Carolina's first woman gover- governor as we celebrate Women's History Month. And that's uh, our own Beverly Perdue. And in a few minutes, we're going to have her on the line and uh, we're going to be talking to Beverly. Um, I also, you know... <sighs> I had a fabulous wedding week, whatever, and then I had to come back on Monday and uh, go to a funeral, unfortunately, to probably one of New Bern, downtown New Bern's brightest smiles, and that was Mary Weiss Pridgeon, who um, was a staple at the Pepsi store. If you came down, um, she had that wonderful Long Island, New York accent that we all loved and just... I can't even begin to tell you what a wonderful person she was and um she was taken from this this life way too soon and I just want to extend again my deepest sympathy to her family and um everyone who knew her. It was definitely going to be a hole in the Pepsi store. We also um had a really big night last night and uh that we launched Pepsi's newest uh, newest soft drink, I guess, if you want to call it that, and it's called a draft cola. It's called Pepsi Nitro. So New Bern, stay smooth. This is a new smooth drink because Pepsi Nitro has come to town, and we were beyond honored. Uh, PepsiCo decided to launch this in two places, Las Vegas, woo-woo, a little old newborn north carolina yes at the birthplace so last night we had a vip launch party with of course the mingies and and their guests and we were the first to launch the Pepsi Nitro, today it's going to be launched in Las Vegas, and tomorrow the birthplace of Pepsi will be having free samples. We'll have a little bit of music outside, some giveaways, and um, come on down and taste Pepsi's newest soft drink. It goes on sale next week, but you can get uh, a taste of it tomorrow. So we look forward to seeing everybody in downtown Newburn tomorrow between 11 and 3. And help us celebrate uh, Pepsi's newest drink called Pepsi Nitro. Uh, You know, the other thing that we had going on this week is uh, we had a meeting on Tuesday night. It was a long, long meeting, four and a half hours. I don't think I got home till about quarter to 11. Those are the days when you go, why do I do this? Um, But lots of good information, lots of good discussion. Uh, And uh, the best thing that came out of it for me is that everyone, the elevator is official. It is approved. The financing is approved. And um, in about 30 days, you're going to see some construction start. So in a year, um, I sincerely hope that. Uh, you will be riding on that elevator into our very historic building. So I'm really excited about that. I think it's a great thing for our city. Um, Everybody, and I mean everybody, should have access to the People's House. And my... My dear friend, Brendan, Brendan Hildreth has been unable to access the house because of his disabilities. And that should never be the case. And I think one hundred and twenty five years is long enough not to be able to get upstairs. So this will change in a year. And boy, what a celebration we're going to have when that day comes um, again. I hope that you're listening to us today and I hope you're going to join in this great conversation and um We're going to have probably one of my, um, I'll have to say mentors, because sincerely, um, being a woman in politics is not an easy task. It is not. Um, You know, it has its challenges. It uh, it takes a lot of strength and perseverance. There's things that we can and can't do, I believe, as women in, in government and it makes us have to take extra steps so i am really very honored and privileged this morning to welcome north carolina's first woman government and i i feel like i can say my my friend uh governor beverly purdue good morning bev are you on good morning sabrina yes i'm here well welcome so much to city talk and thank you for giving me this privilege of having you with me this morning
0: well, I'm delighted. I know the first thing I want to do today is get a Pepsi Nitro. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, it sounded like a great promo for them. They've been a great steward of Newburn and the Palace, our history.
1: Absolutely. Met- and it was a it was a great night. Of course, Jeff Minge's our good friend was in his element last night and <laughs> so excited. He popped the first can and and officially had the first poor right here in New Bern and that's what we're so excited. Nowhere else in the country did that happen yesterday but in New Bern and uh it will happen in Las Vegas today. So hey, we're on the stage. <laughs> we are on the stage and it's just
0: been a great stage for New Bern in the last even with COVID, Sabrina, the last has been fabulous for for the way New Bern has been branded to well, be named the best small
1: town yes. yesterday. Yes, yes, I I saw that and we were excited. But we've, you know, I can tell you on the um, city side, we've taken a lot of steps to ensure that people were able to come and feel comfortable in our community and continue to keep our businesses open the best we could. Well, I think the
0: idea of having the streets closed on the weekends have been really a boon for my friends in the restaurant business downtown. And so I look forward to spring and summer in Newburn, North Carolina. You yes. know, we sold a playhouse, so we're here all the
1: time. Well, great. So, um, you know, starting next Friday night, April 1st, uh, we will be doing a dining in the streets every Friday from now until, you know, October, November, depending on the weather. So people can come on downtown. We're going to be having some games in the streets and a little bit of entertainment. So there'll be something for everybody, families, whether you eat or not. It'll just be nice to come down and stroll.
0: I like the entertainment. And I'm also hopeful to have a social district sometime pretty soon.
1: Well, we're working on that. Working on that very hard. I'm trying to get the word out. I'm glad you mentioned that. For anybody that wants more information, because there is some misinformation out there, please go to downtownnewburn.com. You'll see social district FAQs. The Swiss Bear has done a a great job of trying to put questions and answers up there for people trying to understand what a social district is. Well, I think
0: it'd be It'd be further. Uh, it would be a further enhancement for the tourist, especially tourists without families. You know, when a couple comes, they if they're older retirees or younger, they like to do things and walk around and see the stores. So I'm hopeful that it will pass. The cities in the state that have it love it and have been very uh, appreciative of the
1: opportunity to branded. So good luck on that vote. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, this is uh, March, of course, is Women's History Month, and um, we are celebrating it here at City Talk. And who better than to, to speak to than you being the first woman government? And I thought we'd take the opportunity to talk a little bit about your career. Um, You know, I first met you and got involved when you ran. And I want to say this was probably back, was it in the 80s, maybe late 80s or 90s that uh, you ran for Senate? And I remember a a group of my my girlfriends, you know, we got together and we stuffed envelopes for you and and helped you along the way. And, you know, and they asked me to get on the woman's bandwagon, which I did. It didn't (laughs) matter what your party was. We were just excited that a woman was running.
0: It was nice. There were, you know, there've always been, Sabrina, great leaders in uh, Eastern North Carolina. And now so many of those leaders are women like you and like the women who were there for me in the 90s and the first part of this of the 21st century. It's, it's amazing what women can do when they put their minds to it. And they can work very publicly as you do or behind the scenes in a room full of envelopes with literature to be stuffed or on a phone back. Whatever the role is you want to take, women have an opportunity to serve and to make a real
1: difference. They do. They do. And and of course, you know, your career started. um, And I guess I'm not sure. Did you start in the House and then go to the Senate or were you first elected into the Senate?
0: I did. I started in the House in the late 80s. Uh, A serving member decided not to run. As a member of the House of Representatives, and so I ran, and I had a campaign consultant way before consultants were mandatory. I had, I hired this guy from Raleigh, and he told me that I could never win in eastern North Carolina if I showed my picture that I was a <laughs> And I, I've got a, my, I have a book being written about my journey, and that's one of the funniest and most powerful exhibits to the way women have come forward yeah I, nobody knew I was a woman unless they met me in person and so I when I was elected and then maybe channel 12 covered it back then uh it, it, people were shocked but it was a great uh opportunity to show I guess to prove that women are more than up to the job and perhaps sometimes better for the job right.
1: So, when you got to Raleigh, were there many other women in that role as well? Or were, well, how many would you say were were in the house at that time? No, there's
0: uh, 120 members of the house, and of that number, seven were women. I was one of a class of three. Okay. Uh, So, things were really beginning to change. A a young woman from Western North Carolina, Blowing Rock, that I'm still tremendous friends with, and a lawyer from the Durham area, and we're still friends. So the three of us broke through the barrier that year. And the change now is really happening very, very deep and very frequently.
1: Well, I, I believe that, you know, our we do look at things a little bit differently. We uh, can kind of juggle things a little differently than men. And we just we do bring a different perspective to things. And that's what makes it different. But, of course, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that, you know, my mother-in-law, Ella Bengel, became mayor in the mid-80s when women just didn't get elected to positions like that. And um, she was a a great force for me. And I know you said that yourself, you know, in in speaking when you gave her uh, the Longleaf Pine Award in, in 2010 in celebration of the city's 300th anniversary. and. I just can't imagine what it was like, and you know, Ella and I talked about it many times. In that, she had to work twice as hard as the men because she didn't have entree into certain arenas because she wasn't a man.
0: No, I remember talking to your mother-in-law. I loved Ella Bingle and I loved the Bengal family. Uh, Ella was one of my mentors. You say I was one of Uh one of mine. She she proved that you could be tough as nails and smart as a whip and beat uh, the system if you did it with grace and gravitas and sometimes humor. She used all three of those things to, to do what was right. Now, I was going to say get her way. but yeah.
1: <laughs> And she did get her way sometimes. <laughs> she was
0: a terrific woman. I mean, I like, it was tough. She stood true to what she believed in. She didn't hedge. You know, you knew it. If you didn't like it too bad, uh, you could try to be. But the people of never, and I think all sexes, all races, really admired your mother-in-law. You're lucky to
1: have had her. Yes. You know, she was really interesting. And I think back to it, and I'm sure you can appreciate this as well. You know, that was before cell phones. That was before faxes. That was before all of this communication. And the hours she spent on the phone. I'd walk in that house and she was sitting on the corner. <laughs> of the couch next to the end table on the phone. And next thing I know, she put that pocketbook on her arm and she was down the hallway, out the door, because she had to go to City Hall and fix something. So I remember it was a big heavy pocketbook. It was <laughs> <laughs> and she had it and you know, out she went and it they had to work a little harder and a little differently back then, you know, everything is so instantaneous today. And, you know, with texts and emails and posts and this, that, and the other, it is just a a much different world and we have to operate in a different manner. So be thankful you came along in that kind of era where you didn't have all that.
0: You know, that was the pros and cons of it, though. It transitioned while I was in the, I guess, the Lieutenant Governor's office. But people, my good friends who hate me because I hardly ever am timely about returning the phone call. All right. That's why I don't like the phone. I'm, I, like Ella, have spent so much of my time on the phone, either answering questions or raising money, that it got to be such a, I hate the telephone. But then came the instantaneous, the real-time delivery of messages. And there is nothing. I, I'm very worried. Uh, I know this is not what we're going to talk about. No, today. but
1: I mean, it's it's an important point because it, as women with children and families and all the many jobs we have, how do we work within this whole new era of social media? It's, it's, right. it's hard it, for me. How do you expose your
0: family? I, I see more and more instances in the state, and actually I'm still involved in Washington and around the country then. With women who choose, and men, men are the same way now, who choose not to run because they don't want the decimation and character assassination. That you can start with a fake name on Instagram and a fake statement and it grows so big Mm -hmm. that somebody is damaged. It's really a a choice now about how much you want to sacrifice when you run for public office. So I celebrate your willingness and your family's willingness.
1: Oh, And it has not been easy for us lately. And I will tell you that. And, and there's days when I wake up and say, why am I doing this? And, you know, I'm, it's very difficult for me. I will tell you that, it, but I do love the community as you loved uh, your community. You love the state. And um, that's why you throw yourself into it. But again, I want to go back to, to running during a time when it was difficult and the, and, how you were able to to hang in there and, and go through the different steps, you know, from House to Senate to Lieutenant Governor and eventually become the first woman governor of the state of North Carolina, because that's a an accolade that many people will never see. But yet we have so many young women that are aspiring to do things like that.
0: Well, you just do it with uh, faith. I think, first of all, you you have to know God's on your side if you're doing things so you can Shielded up every morning for the battle, and you, you just have to be confident. And you know, I I got through it with pure tenacity. I was lucky to be smart and a, a little bit collaborative. I could work with other people, and I think sometimes uh, the big difference, Sabrina, is that women don't need to take the credit for whose whose idea it was. You're that way,
1: absolutely, and, absolutely.
0: That uh, that may be your idea, but you ne- have never claimed it as your own. And that's been a hard thing to accomplish. So I think that women just give it away if they can get the votes to make it happen. Or that's how I worked. And as a result, people trusted me. And, you know, I was pretty willing to take a risk.
1: I think well, and you've be- yeah, and that's what it's about is, is willing to take the risk and, and put your neck out there. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And that's the hard part. When you lose, it is it is difficult. but usually the wins are more than the the losses. So, you know, you have to, um, it's, it's winning the war. You got to lose a few battles to win the war. And the war is a, a, a better city, a better county, a better region, a better state. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what happens.
0: It is. It is, but it's
1: hard. It's still personally uh, hard. <laughs> yes, you know, it's so true. And, you know, one of the things that I found hard, and I don't know if you, you know, experience this. But again, I talked about not having entree. You know, I, I can't get out on the golf course with the guys and play 18 hole. And you and I both know a lot of conversation and a lot of things happen in these, whether it's the golf course, the tennis courts, wherever men gather. And it's very difficult. So, you know, I'm working twice as hard having a breakfast meeting, a lunch meeting. Will you meet me for coffee? You know, trying to get those things accomplished. And I, yeah. I, I found that really, I find that difficult. Well,
0: it's still a challenge because you're excluded from the club. Exactly. And that really becomes a, an impediment. I can remember when I first ran, Sabrina, getting up. Uh, I was probably a terrible wife and mother at the time. I would get up and leave the house quarter of six some morning to go to vansborough and eat breakfast in Vansborough at Vera's and to go to McCoy's Grill. I'm interested now that there's a resurgence in interest around McCoy's out on News Boulevard. Awesome. Because back in the day, that was kind of the hub of rural North, rural Craven County politics. And so you have to do things like that. You do it a different way. You may say it's been a challenge. It has been for you, I'm sure. And for me, but we figure out a way to to get the entree, whether it's on the golf course or around the, the ham biscuits.
1: But you do, you do sacrifice more because you're right. You know the kids. You know you're out before them. You're planning. You're doing this. You're doing that, and it is very difficult. And you know, um, I come home and Steve looks at me and says, "What's for supper?" And I'm like, "Well, I got a meeting in thirty minutes. <laughs> and so can you can you fix, pull something out of the freezer and eat a TV dinner or something like that?" So I'm
0: thankful for all these delis and pickup places now. Yeah, you know we're- something from a counter at a grocery store. It's just much easier. The world is easier in terms of
1: so much easier. Yeah. 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 I go back. I go back to Ella too, because you know, she was trained. They came up where the big dinner was at lunchtime. So she would get up in the morning and cook, her main meal, basically at lunch, Steve and I, my father-in-law, we'd come from the shop and we'd come home, eat this lunch because she had a meeting or she was in meetings, you know, the rest of the afternoon or whatever, and he could just eat the leftovers. So, you know, <laughs> so I have learned that pretty much where I try to cook enough to have leftovers for a couple of days so that I don't have to do it. But, you know, again, it's a juggling act. And that's what I find as a woman in politics is that it's a juggling act.
0: It is a juggling act, but I've also learned to share the duty. I said, you know, when I, when we got married, Bob, I didn't get married to do 365 dinners a day. Yeah. I never thought about
1: <laughs> I don't think I could tell Steve Bingle that. He's the whole time his mother spoiled him rotten. So. Yeah, well. We did things back then. Yes, and that, people were happier. That is so true. So I know a great moment for you was, of course, when you were the lieutenant governor and and just being able to stand up there and take that oath. But tell me what it was like when you actually won the governor's race and there you were as the first woman governor of our state. Well,
0: the first two years were fabulous. It was, uh, but it was a terrible time. Do you remember? It was when the Great Recession began. Yes. I was in Charlotte and Winston the week that the banks closed, that Wachovia went belly up. And, you know, it was a terrible economic time and people were really frightened, I think, about the future and where the country and the state were headed. And there was no money. I laugh at all the money now that seems to be out there in its venom. But you know back then, there was just no money, federal or state. And so we all had to pull together. And then as politics does, the second two years of my term, politics shifted and I became such a, a target of uh, a need to control all of North Carolina. I understand that, you know, Democrats in control forever and the Republicans wanted their, their time, It's you know, now been a 20 year uh, campaign to change the state. I think lots of good things have been done, lots of bad things, but. I was the personification of that first attempt to divide the state into red and blue. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I could just handle it and get out and give it to somebody else, then things would get better. They didn't, they've gotten worse. But I was, um, I thought it was me personally. It wasn't. So the, the honor, the ability to make things happen, the ability to change. Your, your constituent who needs the elevator to get to the courthouse. That's right. I mean, those are the things you can get done. And so whether it was on a small level or a large level, every day there was a win for the people. And I love that. I love the people.
1: Well, that's what makes our state the great state that it is. And of course, you know, you and I both did not grow up here. Um, we got here through marriage, through, through jobs and things, and we came to this area. But it... it it became who we are. I know that North Carolina has made me who I am. It wasn't my upbringing in New York in the suburbs of New York City. (laughs) (laughs) I know many people say, what, what? But, you know, that's where I came from. And, um, you know, this state has made us who are. And when you think about from the the coast to the mountains, the beauty, the natural resources, um, you know, all of the th- great things the state has but more importantly the great people that it has that's what's been so overwhelming to me though the great people that I have met across the state by serving on state boards and just and I I've done a you know a microcosm of what you've done so but I, I don't you agree that's true it's just the wonderful people in the state
0: well it's it's also the talent of uh, the hubs of the intellectual hubs that have been created, especially in the technology community. Mm -hmm. You know, what's even going on here in terms of uh, an emergent think community? It isn't all tourism, it isn't all retirement. it isn't all military. We've got some new startups and small businesses that used to be headquartered in New York and they've moved to Newburgh, to Craven County. They've embedded themselves in the community And you can run a business anywhere in the country. It doesn't have to be in an urban area. So I think the changes that we're seeing in terms of the fabric of the potential for our future are magnificent. So, yeah, that's the great part. And it's all born. It's all engineered by the people, the smartness and the openness of our uh, ability to help build human capital.
1: Right. Well, you have some friends on here uh, online there. Reggie Jones, who um, I work with Reggie with the Redevelopment Commission. He said he would love to see and talk to you again and to say hello for him. So um, oh, hello him. He, he shout out. And of course, our good friend Skip Creighton says, love me some Bev. So you know, everybody <laughs> loves Skip, don't they? <laughs> Skip, I wrote
0: that, Skip sold me my first house in New uh, I wrote out uh, the house with my husband and I said, you know that's the house Skip sold me. It's not like I haven't shown it to him a thousand times.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and that's what's great about a small community is we do know everybody, and we do, don't we? and that's good. It it is good. You know, sometimes Steve doesn't like it because I'll walk into somewhere and it's twenty minutes before I get to my seat because I've stopped and talked to everybody along the way. <laughs>
0: but, you know, <laughs> so, Brenda, th- you know the, the nice thing about not having to run, not being able, not wanting to run for office anymore. When sometimes I walk into a place like that and people still sometimes know who I am. It's a thrill to have those old friendships re- rekindled. Yeah.
1: And, and I agree, and like I said, I've met so many wonderful people through this through this process, and it's it's been really good. You know, I I mean it it's worth every minute. There's a lot of heartache, and I want you to know I've shed a lot of tears in the last month because of all of the meanness that has been going on. But at the end of the day, I it hasn't taken away my smile or my love for this community because I know it's the right thing to do. So um, no,
0: but super. I know you well enough to know every morning when you think that that conflict is going to still be there or maybe even grow more intense. You, you put out it as my old friend from Charlotte, Ruth Easterling. She was a, the oldest member of the house, serving when I got there the first 10 years. One day I was so upset about something and went into the ladies room and cried. And she came into the bathroom and jerked me. <laughs> and she said, Beverly, when you come to work here, you put on your big girl panties. And so I'm sure you do the same Absolutely.
1: Thing. You know, and I and, uh, you know, you have to just keep going because we do have a a job to do. And, you know, earlier in the conversation, we talked about the division in our state. And, um, you know, many people would say to me right now, well, why are you talking to Bev? You know, she's she represents the other party and, you know, you're this party. And I will have to tell you that that is the one thing that has turned me off about politics so bad is that. Um, I want to work with people. And, you know, I may not agree totally on your platform. You may not agree on mine, but we do agree on so many other things, but we can sit down and talk and walk away and say, you know, let's agree to disagree, but I'll talk to you tomorrow and we'll have a cup of coffee. Why can't right. we get back to that?
0: Bryn, I don't know. I think maybe part of it is social media, the constant barrage of the negative. Uh, I, I'm I'm really concerned about the country and this morning I'm concerned about the world with North Korea. Yes, yes. Somebody said to me yesterday, uh, I was somewhere and somebody came out and said, you know, that's for my family. She was in her 40s. She said, I've got two children and last night there was this huge boom and it was somebody shooting a gun and my little girl woke up and said, Mama, Mama, screaming, have they dropped a bomb on us? And that's the climate now yeah. after COVID. And now you have a war and you have nuclear threats and you have a Supreme Court that doesn't seem to be 100 percent on the up and up. I mean, it's just a lot of stress on America and Americans. And I think that makes all of us edgier and perhaps more doubting of each other that's scary to me
1: it you know and it is to me too but i wish they would just let us let us be us you know mm-hmm. and i think that is the problem every trying to control every aspect of our lives and this is where our differences may come in but i don't want government controlling every aspect of my life i don't you know i'm uh, people know i was a rebel during covid you know i was not given into the masks i'm not afraid to say i'm not vaccinated i mean it but that's my personal choice it's it is. Uh, i mean yeah i don't i've never even taken a flu shot i'm just you know I'm just it's it's just me it has nothing against anybody i'm smart enough and educated enough to know that um, if I don't feel good, if I feel like I'm cold or feverish, to stay home and stay away from people because I never would want to make anyone sick. Um, but I just I think it's this constant control of controlling all these aspects of life that make it more difficult.
0: Uh, well, I'm in Sabrina they're having now about masking on airplanes. I hadn't thought of it, for, but perhaps for- that's part of the reason there's such hostile, uncontrolled behavior by airplane passengers. Maybe if we de-mask on the plane, things would get nicer again?
1: I totally agree. You know, I was away this weekend. I was up in New York for my nephew's wedding. And, um, you know, my, my son-in-law is, he doesn't want to wear a mask. He doesn't want to mask his children. My grandchildren are, are two and three. And he does not want to put masks on. Him. So therefore they had to drive a 10 hour drive to New York because he couldn't get on the plane. But what amazed me is we got on the plane. Everybody sits down. We're all masked up. As soon as that cart comes down the aisle with the drinks, masks come down, everybody. And you're sitting in the same exact place next to the same person eating and drinking. So it does not make sense. And this is what aggravates people. And I think this is where the hostilities come out.
0: Well, I, I'm. Believer in the mask, and I think you had to have them during the height of the pandemic. Uh, so I'm not going backwards on where I stand, but I do think with the data and with the whole world relaxing, even with this new strand, we ought to consider, especially with children, like you were saying, yeah. children uh, that with the you know I'm working on a national ward on education, and we've been the only entity in the country to do the sampling of how badly kids were impacted by COVID in general. And kids' reading scores and math scores have gone so far behind. And a lot of it is because of the uh, scariness, the uncertainty, I think, of being in an environment where they had to wear masks and where they couldn't be – Anyhow, I feel like there should have been some exceptions for little kids.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, they're uh, my little ones. I can't keep them still for a as it is, let alone put, put something like that over them. Um, another post we just got is um, social media allows people to say incorrect or hateful things with no consequences. Amen. And that didn't happen 15 years ago. People wouldn't say things so hateful. And it's true because they can hide behind the keyboard and um and then people share it and it it gets out of control. But again, you know, in in talking about working together, you know we we can agree to disagree, but yet we can work together and we know the big picture is that we want better educated you know children in our community, therefore they're uh, more resourceful adults, and and you know those are the things that we can agree on, and we should move forward on. We all agree that no one wants to pay any more than they have to in taxes, but yet they want the maximum in services. So where's the in between? You know how do we how do we work together to do that? And I hate that we have to picture ourselves as one party or the other. We should just picture ourselves as people trying to serve the public for a be, you know a better outcome. Well,
0: until the country as a whole understands that exactly what you've said and believes that we'll still have huge social and political issues in the country. And those issues begin to build up strength until they become horrifically dangerous. So I agree. Work together. I don't know necessarily that you and I will ever hold hands and sing Kumbaya.
1: (laughs) But that's Um, a good thing. I think because, because of that, we're going to find better results. I really right. believe that.
0: We've always worked together. Yes. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's a woman. Maybe women are more easily able to uh, work collaboratively. It's early. I haven't had my coffee. Right. <laughs>
1: Yes. Well, you know, we, you know, even on my own little local board, I don't necessarily agree, but I'm willing to go to the table and talk about it. I may come out with the same result, but I'm always willing to talk about it. And I think that's the important thing is that you have to be willing to talk about it. Um, So Bev, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing now. You talked about you're involved in education and um, how do you spend your time serving the public now? Because I know you're still serving in some capacity.
0: Well, I am, and it's. I've begun to think, you know, really old now. I'm beginning to understand. <laughs> I had knee replacement surgery six, seven weeks ago. Oh, my God. And I had avoid being home and thinking and not having to do anything. So I, I guess I'm at that stage that all people as they the age get to kind of reevaluating where I am. I am still, I run my company, so I've still got clients that uh, reward me. Financially, for helping them around policy. And I've loved doing that. But I think that it's time for me to focus on what I care most about, which is education. So I'm the chairperson of the National Board on Standards and Accountability. I'm trying to move the country forward around more career and college, not just college, but career and college promise. And to help kids by third grade read and be able to use math. Until we can fix that with all kids, the country won't be better. Everybody's got to have a chance, regardless of where you live. Right. To have an education. So I'm doing a lot of that. I'm beginning to get reinvolved in my church, which is important to me. And, and I'm not going to teach Sunday school, but I am going to do something for the church. So there's so many opportunities in England. I'm
1: working with Habitat. We're having a an event. Yes, I'm so excited. Uh, Steve will be the tour bus driver <laughs> next <laughs> Friday night and we will be on there and I yep. look forward to seeing you. We totally support Habitat. They do an amazing job in our community.
0: And I was so proud, you know, was just, Mike Williams has been fabulous. He's oh, very quiet. Yes. But our hat, you know, we worked a little bit with the the North Carolina habitat yesterday. You saw in the paper the Woman those uh woman donated more than a million dollars to Craven habitat. Mm. That's a huge hit for us as we figure out a way to build houses. We're focused on the Pembroke area right now and right. building houses. So those kind of things. It's love this community. There's always something you can do if you let people like you. I'll have to come and say, Sabrina, could could you help me get on that board? Yes. It's about how much time Folks want to spend, but there's always a conduit to get in and be appointed. I I think so for anybody who wants to serve come Sabrina,
1: don't call me. And I'm trying. So, you know, I I do, I do have a little project I'm going to get with you on because it's really, really important to me. Um, The Redevelopment Commission and the the redevelopment of the Choice Neighborhood, which is that (laughs) span from Trent Court through five points into the greater Duffy Field area. And it's time that we stop talking the talk and start walking the walk. And I I need to, to bring it together with groups like Habitat, the Housing Authority, how do we all sit at at the table and find our role in there in redeveloping this very important neighborhood?
0: If you all can make that happen, I mean, the work that the county commissioners and the town of Newport Alderman have done over the past decade, multiplied by one, is more than any of the assembly delegations over the last 50 years, including me, had the ability to get done. You all have brought people together. African Americans folks who live there white people yes. and they- the flood did us a great favor. If you can look at the positives. Well, it was horrible.
1: It, yeah, it was horrible, but it showed us some of our weaknesses, but it also showed us some of our strengths and we have to continue to build on that. And that's exactly what I'm motivated to do. I've been motivated this, this past four years and trying to, you know, make that happen and, and bring all that together. So, you know, we've got a real opportunity out there and I want to continue to do it. Going back to education though, um, You know, one of the things that I hear amongst my business uh, counterparts and in our community is the lack of training we give to potentially, let's say, high school students. These kids, they can't keep a check register. They can't balance a checkbook. They can't do these everyday skills in managing money and taking care of things and the responsibility of it. We don't teach it anymore. It's not basic. And it's things like that that is lacking from education is the life skills. And I remember back in the day that you introduced civics, you know, because we weren't teaching kids about civics, you know, and how important it is.
0: Schools can't do it all, Sabrina. I Especially, know. You know. We've lost 300,000 teachers in the past six months in America. There are teacher shortages everywhere. So it seems to me like an alternative, another uh, innovation in school. Would be to coalesce some group of perhaps a neighboring senior retirees and train them to go into schools and work with kids to do just what you're saying. Right. Uh, I, there has to be something. The community college I'm on their foundation board is doing an absolutely remarkable job at the Volt Center. So the career tracks are growing, yes. and for people to pick and choose more than just going to college. But you're quite right. There is something missing, in how kids are and what their life skills are when they leave high school, they're unprepared to enter life or to enter post-secondary school. It's it's really doing damage to the country.
1: I agree. But, you know, I think back to the day when I was coming up through, well, it was middle school at the time. We called it junior high. But in seventh and eighth grade, and again, this is the girls took, you know, we cooked in seventh grade. The boys took shop. In the eighth grade, we sewed. (laughs) So... Seriously, you know, your whole thing was I made a dress, you know, <laughs> I saw a dress, you know? <laughs> and you learn that's basic ki- cooking skills and all the kids, the, the guys did shop, the girl, you know, they would divide us. Now, I'm not saying that's how it should be anymore, but those were life skills, you know, <laughs> meal planning. I mean, I, I, as crazy as it might seem, it has served me well through my life. <laughs> well, I tell you, the dress skills never helped me a bit. No, not at all. I've never made a dress since then. I was not a sword. Did not, you know, want to sew, but you know, hey, can I, can I baste? I based really good. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> some not have to do, yeah. You know, I mean, and we had those career tracks, but the law and the world has changed so much yeah. you can't do more. You know. I'm, I'm- <laughs>
1: about that. Yeah, you know, it is. But again, New York had a really good system. We had the BOCES system. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, And so what it would do is uh, kids would go to school till like uh, 10, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I think it was. And then the bus would come and take them to a vocational center. And they had from A to Z careers. And those kids today are the millionaires where the kids that went to college didn't fare as well.
0: (laughs) it in North Carolina, too, when we first moved here. But again, so Sabrina, you know, like I do a whole lot of innovation. I mean, that's where the future is. Right. It's all driven by uh, STEM, math, and science. Until kids can learn uh, those skills that you're talking about, not necessarily dressmaking. But they have also got to have exposure to some of the core industries and to dream big dreams. A pretty healthy segment of the billionaires in America are under 30, because they're the ones who are so innovative with technology. Mm -hmm. And we've got to keep making dresses, which is a really important career choice, while we're also figuring out how to create the next Google. So that's
1: a whole lot for somebody to do.
0: I'm glad I'm old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You and I both, I got that Medicare card, it was the best day of my life. (laughs) You old. I didn't know you had your Medicare. Card. I do. I do. <laughs> you started playing back in the day. When yeah, I was you know it was. Life no. has life has really passed me by, but you know I'm I'm grateful for every day of it, and uh, you know no no complaints here. But you know we do we have a lot of challenges. We wake up every day to challenges, but I think it's how we react to those challenges that make a difference. And you know, my cup is always half full. I know yours is as well. And that's why we can get things done. And uh, you know, I just appreciate all your efforts, especially in the field of education, because the the children are our future. I know that's kind of a, a cliche. <laughs> but uh it's true. It's you know, it true. it is true. And we want all children. I don't care where you're from, what you look like who your mom and daddy were, but you know mm-hmm. they have the same access; they are allowed in the same arenas, and uh, you know they have the same opportunities. And I think it's so important that we allow that. And that's why, of course, you know, I would be a, a a proponent of school choice, but I understand that that would probably not be your cup of tea. But that's okay. I think the important thing is that kids are getting an education. Period.
0: I helped do the charter legislation, so I am a in okay, favor of right. I, i'm not so much in favor of unlimited opportunity scholarships which is the money right to pay private schools but i you know i am a, a believer that parents should be able to control their own kids choices and their their own kids education and the rest of us have to work to build the public schools up you know public schools are always going to be there sabrina yep so there's and it's they should be, be there.
1: They should be there. I don't think they should go away. But I, I like that people have a choice whether to send them there or not.
0: Yeah, but you take all the money out of the public system and you leave the kids of low income or low uh, equity and the money goes to private schools. It's, it's a huge debate. I don't know, but you're right. Both should be there. And America should figure out a way that we have great schools in either sector. Right.
1: See, we can work to. We do. We do. And um, one day I'll come and I'll I'll sit with you. I'm glad. to. I'd love to hear some of that other thing, Uh, you know, uh, uh, the other part of what you're doing and the board that you uh, you chair, because I think it is important and it's important to have all viewpoints in there so that the end result is the best product we can we can find. That's a win win for everybody. Oh, it
0: is. It's been fun talking with you
1: again. Yes, it has been fun. And I I appreciate your, your willingness to come on and talk with me today. I want to remind everybody that um, my guest here this morning is uh, Governor Beverly Perdue, our first woman governor of the state of North Carolina. Uh, if you're listening to us now and didn't catch the whole show, we will be rebroadcast this evening, 6 p.m. on 96.3. Thank you, Henry Hinton. He is my he he puts us out there on the airwaves and I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, you can hear the full story. You can always come to New Bern live and we have the link available anytime. So it's it's always out there and always good to be What's able up? to hear.
0: I said hello. And send love and kisses to him. Okay. To both friends and enemies, it was cool doing it at the same time. Yes, isn't
1: and it amazing how that can happen?
0: <laughs> it really
1: is. A, it's called
0: getting along to get
1: along. Yes. And
0: then I will do anything uh, to help y'all out as long as I do not have to brush my teeth, or get out of my nightgown, or put on makeup. <laughs> I'm honored to serve here at my desk in my
1: That's awesome. Awesome. Um, And you know, a couple of things we've got people just saying. So we have the Junior League, um, you know, that's going to do Junior League uh, prom dresses for senior girls um, Sunday from 10 to 2 at the Garage in James City. It's a free boutique. Girls, if you need a prom dress, they're there to help you. And um, I think that's a good thing. And to my sister-in-law, Pat, she says thank you to both of you, Vision, women. So I appreciate uh, the comment and uh, Bev, it's been a real, real privilege for me to speak to you today. And uh, if I can help you in any way, please let me know. Always glad Thank to you work with you.
0: So much, It's been an honor and I'm so proud of the women for helping kids who can't afford to get nice prom dresses. Such yeah. a cool activity. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sabrina.
1: Y'all have a good day. All right. You do as well, Bev. Thank you so Hi. much. So that was Governor Beverly Perdue. I've really enjoyed talking to her. You know, we, we have some things that are not in common. And I'm going to mention that again, because I don't necessarily agree with her platform. I, I told the story of years ago, um, you know, she asked me to sit on her, her campaign team for uh, her run for governor. And I... I I said no. And it's not because I didn't like her and respect her and thought the world of her, but I didn't agree with the platform. So again, but we can agree to disagree. And that's what we need to work on here in our community, in our region, in our state, is that we can disagree. But if we can come to the table and and produce results that are a win-win for all people, I think that's the end result that we really want. And I still, you know, enjoy access to Bev and being able to talk to her on many issues. And sometimes, you know, like I said, we agree and sometimes we don't. So thank you, Bev, again, for being with me this morning. I appreciate it. And in our last few minutes, we've got lots of things um, going on. You know, our friend um, Matt Bercher is uh, having his book down at the farmer's market. Please continue to uh, see him. We're going to have him on the show here. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get him on the show here talking about his fourth book that he wrote. Oh my God, this young man, 19, 20 years old, writing these books. I think it's amazing. Um, also too, I want to, uh, share a text with, um, our good friend, Lisa Lee, who, um, you know, is just the champion. Let me see her text that she sent me. She is just the champion of, uh, The shelter, the county shelter is dangerously low on dog and cat food. Um, And so I want to mention that. If everybody could please reach out, if you have the opportunity, maybe to either donate some money or donate some food out to the county shelter, they need dog and cat food. I always like to mention things for Lisa because she's such a great friend and I great champion of uh these unwanted pets and trying to get them adopted and in good homes where they'll be well taken care of and they will be safe. So that's uh a, a good thing going on. Of course next Friday night, don't forget we're going to be starting dining in the streets. And hopefully my friend Liz will be back next week and we'll bring you a great show, I'm sure. Uh and we'll get things rolling. Uh the spring is here. We're going to have all kinds of fun things going on. Also, today at 11 a.m., 11 a.m. today, we will be doing the ribbon cutting at Martin Marietta Park. Woo-hoo! Um, new Bern's fabulous new park out there. And uh, come on out. Lots of walking trails, access to the water, playgrounds for the kids, um, shelter areas. I mean, it's just a, a marvelous, marvelous place. Uh, place and it's going to continue to grow uh, and do really good things for our community about 11 a.m out there we'll be out there cutting the ribbon and opening up and showing all the new phases of this park and hopefully with good weather coming in here shortly we will uh have lots of people out there enjoying this wonderful park um ashley thank you and i hope you have a great weekend as well uh And like I said, lots of things going on in the community. Tomorrow, we'll be at the Pepsi store, the birthplace of Pepsi on the corner of Middle and Pollock, celebrating the launch of Pepsi Nitro. Come and get a free sample of it. Uh, We can't sell it yet, but we can let you sample it. We're going to have some music out front, and they're going to be giving away some gift cards and gift bags and different things like that. So come on down and celebrate. Hopefully the weather will be a little bit better. I believe by about 11 o'clock when we cut the rib in 12 o'clock, you're going to see some sun here today, a little bit warmer temperatures. We've had a lot, a lot of rain. So hopefully the farmers got what they needed and we can have some sunshine in the next couple of days and have some uh, warmer weather to, uh, you know, get, get here and enjoy. We love Eastern North Carolina for that. <clears throat> I want to thank everybody who's joined us today. It's been a great Friday. Again, every other day is Friday, it seems like. Thank you for all your comments. I appreciate those that have uh, joined us here today. Uh, we will be back with you again next Friday. Liz and I bringing you another great uh City Talk. So I want to just tell everybody, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Governor Bev Perdue. Enjoyed my conversation with you. And I will see you on the sidewalks, everybody. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. Take care.